All right, what's good? This is Bench. This is the Mobcast. We're recording on Thursday, May 16th. I'm joined today by one, by, well, not one, but two guests who are responsible for winning the last two EU contenders titles. First, we have Opti, head coach of the 2019 Season 1 champions, Angry Titans, and Tanny, sort of a hybrid coach slash analyst for the 2018 Season 3 champions, Team Gigante. What's up, guys? Yo, how's it going, Bench? Pretty good. Hey, man. Tanny, you're, uh, you're playing in a Finnish tournament, I think, with, with Gigante now, right? How's that going? Uh... It's going pretty well. Uh, we've played two games so far. They've been pretty easy, three O's. We've got six more in the group stage and then get put straight into the grand final if we finish on top. So you're stomping? Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> and after, uh, you, uh, I imagine you guys are probably getting prepped for showdown, for the Atlantic showdown, right? How's that going? Yep, it's been good. It's... uh. You know, it's a lot of work because you go straight from playing a whole season of contenders into playoffs, which is a whole like month of practice, into now a whole month of practice for showdown with pretty much no breaks. Small little small breaks are in there, but it's uh it's been a lot of work, but it's been good. I think we're making progress and we're getting the team in the direction I want it to go. So I'm excited to see what happens at showdown. I hope so, because EU is relying on you. Um We'll, we'll get into Atlantic Showdown a little later. Uh, first, I just wanted to start with, because it just happened last weekend, uh, I thought maybe we could talk about Overwatch League first and and quickly touch on the stage finals. I think you guys both watched. Um, what did you think about the match and the result with the Shock beating Titans? Uh, Opti, how about you start? Sure. So yeah, I watched. I did the live analysis of the Grand Finals on my stream, which means I was actually paying attention this time. And and I found that it was very interesting to watch because I think this match clearly exposed the weaknesses in both teams. They're both used to being like really, really the aggressor in their matches and being able to bully their opponent to a degree and keep on pushing them down, pushing them back. And against each other, they can't pull that off. This is pretty much two of the most aggressive teams in Al. So watching that, it forced more mistakes and it kind of exposed weaknesses with positioning and with cooldown usage and even like supportable usage and slower play. And it was, it was an interesting match. Overall, I think Shock were definitely did a better job of adapting to having to play a slightly different style. I was a little surprised. I was I shouldn't say surprised. The thing that just how dominant Shock looked over the course of this stage, the one thing that I really wanted to see was whether this team would have sort of the mental when they got up on stage being across from Titans who just beat them in stage one. I didn't know how they would respond to like let's if if you know titans punched them in the jaw in the in the first map and it, it whether they'd be able to recover but they just seemed super confident the second they got up there and that this was uh that they never had any doubts um i don't know if you got that vibe just going forward i don't know like that team is they have such a deep bench it feels like they're capable of of switching but like if if the meta changes you have you still have like striker on the bench um i don't know if there's like another team in in overwatch league who has sort of the the depth of a roster that can that can contour around whatever the meta is is going forward so i really worry i haven't taken a look at like what their their stage 3 schedule is yet but i remember seeing someone say that that shock is not going to play the titans again unless of course they go to like a i think stage 3 final probably um 
so yeah, we could be in for like another, I don't know if it'll be a golden stage, but shock could, could pull another like seven and oh next stage. What do you guys think about their prospects going forward? I think it's pretty likely they go seven and oh again. Uh, they seem to have a pretty easy stage for the most part. They're playing people like Boston and Mayhem and um, uh, Soul as well, which aren't the strongest teams, as well as Outlaws. So uh, it's very possible that they go 7-0 and and probably will meet Vancouver in the finals again. So it's going to be who can win it the third time around, I, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, the meta hasn't meaningfully changed from patch. I think they're on 1.34 right now, and then they're going to move to 1.35 for next stage, is what I think is happening. So I, it hasn't changed meaningfully. The, the buffs don't really matter. You might see like an inch more bunker, but it's. It, it, I, I think there's a very good chance we see Shock be as. I mean, I guess being as. They can't possibly be more, more dominant, but I think it's very possible to see them pull a double golden stage. Yeah, there was a lot of, I mean, rumors going around about like two 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 being implemented, and that's hopefully been dispelled now. Um, not saying that it, it couldn't potentially be something in the future, but it really felt like two 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 might have been the only thing that was going to throw throw this league for a loop, just in terms of parity or or like relative team strength. Um, I don't. It's just with with Shock's matchup for next stage and their schedule. I don't see this upcoming patch having a significant effect on on what's going to happen with them but enough of owl talk that's not what we're here for uh what i really want to do with you two just given the fact that you're both coaching within the eu region is i want to talk about the upcoming atlantic showdown well let's see tanny i guess we should start off here you guys aren't going to be there obviously but (laughs) uh you obviously have some some valuable insight on the eu teams and from talking with you, I know you follow NA as well. Uh, Opti, your team has a bye through the first round, and you'll see the winner of ETL Academy and Fusion University, right? We were, we will, yes. Okay. And then in the other fixture, Hurricane is playing Loki Esports, who are the SA contenders winner, with the winner of that taking on Team Envy in the next round. So let's just start off with the first round. What are your thoughts, Opti? Any upsets, predictions? What are you expecting to see in those first two games? Sure. Um, I expect Hurricane to not have too much trouble with Loki. I think Hurricane, even after having beaten them in the finals, I still believe that Hurricane is one of the hardest teams in all of contenders to play against. Kind of like in like Element Mystic is hard because they cheat. British Hurricane has a unique style, which I won't speak to. But they, um, but they, they definitely have a distinctive style that makes them a hard opponent. So I don't expect them to have too much trouble with the early opponents. So, um, and then for the other side, ATL versus Funi, I honestly have no idea. I haven't done a ton of scouting of those two teams yet. I tend to do, I tend to do generally like when I have a big, big length of time to work. I like to spend the beginning working on team stuff, like like stuff for my team. And then closer to the match, I'll do scouting and look at stuff for the uh, for our opponents and work on things to beat them. And so I really haven't done details going, so that match is still a mystery to me. Could go either way. I, th- I think it will be close no matter what, though. They both look good in their uh, contenders playoffs games. What do you think in there, Tanny? Uh, yeah, I don't think Hurricane are going to have too much problem with Loki. It should be fairly easy for them to get through. But I think Fusion Uni still have the edge. Atlanta could bring it back because they did very well in the playoffs in fairness but that was um 
with quite a new roster as well, bringing in Astro. So if if they have a bit of time to actually adjust to it, I think you're in for a closer series than most people would give you credit for. Like most people just think, oh, it's Fusion Uni, you know, they're just going to go through all the time. I don't think we're going to see that this this time around though. And when they come ag- come against Angry Titans, I think that's where they get stopped dead in their tracks. I actually think ATL will beat Fusion University. I think Fusion University is sort of off the rails. Like, who did they... They played Montreal, and Montreal took them to map five. They played... Did they, Was it Glad's Legion then in the... Fi- yeah, yeah, Glad's I, Legion, yeah. and Glad's Legion took them to, down to the wire. I think that ATL, they were pretty inconsistent, maybe, throughout the regular season. But I think once they sort of solidified that lineup and had proper flex support in there and had time to work around that roster. I actually think ATL might be the stronger team right now. I don't know if anything else has changed over the last uh, couple weeks. Like it was really weird with Fusion Uni. I thought that they all of a sudden had Changshik in at the at main tank. I know there was some stuff probably going on behind the scenes there with not having Beast Halo starting, but it just seemed like a, a weird move. I don't know if Beast Halo will be back in the lineup going forward. But yeah, I'm I'm thinking that ATL Academy pulls that one out. One of the aspects of Showdown that I think is is actually going to be really cool is by contrast in in Overwatch League, we have different regions represented on the teams or like certain teams encompassing an entire region and the teams more or less adopt like a singular meta whether it like come from scrims and then it moves up to like the actual the games. And then teams can decide on different ways to approach it in terms of play style. But in Showdown, I don't think that's going to be the case. What do you think? Like, do teams do teams push what they've been doing and force others to adapt? Like, if there's different regional metas between NA and EU, how do you guys think this is going to play out without obviously, like, Opti in your case, giving too much away about what, uh, you know, how your team's preparing to take on that part of the strategy? Sure. So... First of all, I think I think every team, I'm not sure what teams are going to try to notably change their style and which ones won't, but I think every team is going to walk in assuming that if they play their game well, they will um, they will be able to beat in any of their opponents. I don't think there's any other assumption you can make. The question is what style teams choose to go with. So so I, I mean a lot of these a lot of teams I'm not sure if they're capable of adapting. So a lot of teams learned to play goats one way. Like that was that was Angry Titans last season. We learned to play goats one way, and for the entire season, we played roughly the same the same sort of goats. We just kept getting better and better at that one style. And so, and so, sort of the question walking into showdown is whether or not these teams have actually practiced more than one style, or whether or not they're going to look the same going to showdown they did in their playoffs, and of course, whether or not their opponents can adapt to that or beat that style. So I think. I think regionality doesn't matter so much as how the teams have approached their practice in the past. Can I ask you, do you think that one region has like an advantage over another in terms of like the way the regional matters are working right now? You know, I don't think, I don't think there is like, I'm like a big regional advantage. I don't know about South America's meta. Well, like what it looked like. Only the only game in South America I watched the season was the finals, but, um, but I could see, I don't think there's a, there 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 are teams in you who play quite like the best of the NA teams, but I would also say that the reverse is true. I especially don't think there's any team in NA that plays quite like British Hurricane does. 
And so, and so I think it'll be interesting to see how teams prepare for that, having no experience actually playing against their little experience. What do you think, Danny? I think it's going to be quite interesting to actually watch this because, yeah, no, no team is just going to go into it and switch up their style completely. You can't do that with like a month to prepare. You can't just be like, oh, I'm going to adopt this completely new style, which I just saw in Korea or whatever, and let's go with that. Um, I think people are just going to build on their own foundations, but I don't think there's too much difference in the foundations themselves. So I think it can still be quite competitive between the regions, and there isn't one region which has like a style which is better than everyone else, but they have very unique ones. Like, yeah, British Hurricane is has a very unique style. Element Mystic has a very unique style as well, and like it, it'll be interesting to see these sort of styles come and like clash together because I don't think anyone in NA has actually faced a team like Hurricane. So I'm really interested to see how Envy does versus them. What do you guys think about, this is something I brought up the other day, and I don't know if there's necessarily like any alternatives to it, but I, I'm kind of disappointed that Blizzard opted. I don't know if it's Blizzard or like the contender's office, but they opted for this like double elimination style bracket with six teams. And it just like, obviously the teams that got the first round by, they deserved the first round by, they won the games they needed to. They, they won their region. They didn't have to go to a third place match, but it just felt like, like knowing what they're going to do with the gauntlet where they're going to do round robin play. I don't understand why they didn't just put like the six teams in each showdown into their own like round robin bracket bracket even if you did like a swiss style or something where you played like less games overall but still if you would have had five games over two days i know that's not optimal but it's still feasible i feel like just in terms of entertainment you get a little bit more region versus region matchups guaranteed and i think that's what a lot of the audiences who are going to be tuning in kind of want to see and then maybe take the you know the top four teams from that so you eliminate two and the top four teams then go to like a single elimination style like playoff bracket similar to what they used to do with apex do you guys have any especially like opti do you have any thoughts about so you'll obviously benefit if you win your first game but like you know a team i think i mentioned like let's say etl academy right they they win their first game and they lose their second game they end up having to play over the course of the tournament like if they want to end up back into the the final, they have to play three more games than a, a team like Angry Titans. Do you, do you have any thoughts about that? Would you have liked to see like a round robin play? Or are you happy with this? You know, I have mixed feelings. I think tournaments are it's easier to build excitement with. It's easier to like, it's easier to qualify the importance of a game when you can say that it's a final, it's a semifinals match or, or an upper bracket finals or, you know, like an elimination match. Like these words are good for qualifying excitement. So I think it's good for hype building in that sense. On the other hand, yeah, it might be, it might be nice to see like, I like some like, obviously there are a couple of teams who are going to only get to play two games. Basically it might be nice to see more of those teams and see, for instance, how, I don't know, hypothetically, if I missed that, I mean, I'm just thinking, thinking out of the box here, like how a team like angry Titans or envy would match up against um, a team like Loki or like the loser of a, Fiuni versus ATL and like, and just have less chance for, for a tour. Yeah. For a tournament full of mono regional matches, 
which is a distinct possibility right now is that there's only it is possible right now that we only see like four total uh cross-regional matches exactly yeah like a lot of, there's a lot of scenarios that could play out where like a team wins a game in the the lo- winner's bracket they lose their next game and then within like a match or two they're they're back playing again against the team that had just beaten them two matches previous uh-huh. or prior so yeah i think I, I don't know i would have liked to see the round robin bracket now although now that i'm thinking about it i wonder if that would have any uh how many teams is it that get eliminated or, or uh, lose spots from not eliminated but like what are the implications for Okay, I can't I, I, remember how it works. I know this. It's um okay, so the way it works is there are six there are six teams at the tournament. The teams that get fifth and sixth lose so the way okay, so first of all, there are twelve total teams competing in showdowns. There are only ten slots in the gauntlet, so we have to open up two spots somehow. The way they've chosen to do this is that fifth and sixth lose lose a spot for their region, and then first place gains a spot for their region. And so and so I mean realistically, there's a there is a possibility where like regions like Australia, Pac South America end up with no spots, or that NA ends up with four could be something that happens if EU follows this. So it's it hasn't it has implications. I am still I again I also have mixed feelings about that aspect of the tournament because it could be really it could, it could it makes it like high stakes. It makes it really interesting and it gives regions incentive to try to help the other teams in their region because you all benefit if one of the teams from your region wins and none of them lose. But on the um, on the other hand, it's it, it obviously is a possibility of right regions not being represented at all at showdown, and it might be kind of I don't know it's kind of punishing in a way because like it's it would feel really bad if you're the I mean let's say we're the you're the EU region it would feel really bad for a team like Giganti if Angry Titans or British Hurricane lost and then neither of the other one won and then there was only one spot for the whole region and then the, we all have to fight like really hard to get that one spot. It, it, it's pretty weird because it can actually go down to zero spots as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in like a dream scenario for NA, you could have four slots for um, for NA teams and then zero for EU going into the gauntlet, which which is a really odd thing for the gauntlet to have absolutely no teams represented from a region, I feel. yeah, And it, it, it kind of defeats the point of what it's supposed to be, at least in my mind. Um, of showcasing the best tier two teams from around the world pitted against each other. If some regions just aren't going to be there, it's really odd. I don't mean to undersell, like uh, admittedly I'm, I'm approaching this from, I haven't watched any essay this season. There's definitely an opportunity for them to, to score an upset, but just based on what I've heard talking to NA teams who have over the course of the last couple of seasons, had to scrim and or then subsequently blacklist SA teams from NA scrims. I, I'm I'm just going to let's pretend that that low key does not advance and, and they lose their first two games. We're not going to get any SA teams in in the gauntlet after that. There's a chance that, you know, one of the I don't know, it could even be one of the Korean teams, because I don't necessarily think that O2 Blast is necessarily that strong. But obviously one of, of those regions, if it's like PAC or if it's um, Australia, like there's a very good chance that one of those regions is going to get gatekept from going into gauntlets. So it does seem sort of counterintuitive to what the the idea of the that gauntlet tournament's going to be. I guess that they did need to add some kind of incentive for performing well in showdowns. But at the end, I don't understand why they didn't just have it be you know like 12 teams and and not disclude anyone from or exclude anyone from the gauntlet. 
Yeah, I think Who the knows? numbers for this is really weird. Like, why only six teams for each of these showdowns instead of eight? Yeah, eight like, would have been perfect. You could have a perfect double elimination bracket. Exactly, yeah. and I, I I would have liked that a lot because pr- one of the other spots would have probably been for third yeah, you'd place be in EU, it. but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Even, even if it wasn't, I think it would still make a lot more sense than the current system. And then for the gauntlet, I get you want to reward the best performing region. It's it's like in football with the Champions League. You get more points for the better you do for your own region. Um, but I don't get why they had to punish the regions who came last because it's already like a best of the best sort of thing. So coming last in it doesn't mean that you're necessarily a bad region. It just means that you lost to some other people who are better than you right now. Right. Yeah, good teams. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good teams playing. It's good teams playing. It's good teams. There is there is no one bad at showdown. I've said it before. There isn't a single opponent among the five other teams at showdown. I'm not preparing for individually. I'm not willing to walk into any of those games and say, "Oh, it'll be easy." It won't. Not a single one. So it, yeah, I agree. It's a bit. It's a bit sad not to see. that we have this possibility of regions not showing up? We got It's also, yeah, the brackets a bit janky and what else what's up with 10 teams for gauntlet 10 yeah, is like, a very strange number for racket building if you had one extra promotion for each showdown then you'd have 12 and that's you know easy number to work around but instead you have 10 which is i'm not really sure how on earth it's even going to work with 10 teams yeah i don't i have no clue how you build how you build a 10 team bracket. So you think about it you look like in a normal in a normal like 18 double elimination it's Four, four, four quarterfinal matches and then two semifinals. How do you change that to accommodate ten teams? Because then you have like two teams that are just like the odd team out, and like yeah, you have to have I a think round it's of double with yeah, gone. I th- I think that it's double round robin brackets. I could be or double round robin oh, groups. I think that's that possible. I think that they're making. I I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure that there's a round robin round, and it I. I could be wrong, but it might be two groups. So like two groups of five. Groups of five. And that then like the sense. top, I want to say like top two teams maybe from each group then go to a, or maybe it's the top three. I don't remember, but it, it then goes into a double elimination bracket, which is why I had said, you know, they already had this idea for a gauntlet. Why didn't they just do like a gauntlet light version for showdown, have one six team round robin group and then move that into like the top four teams from that then go into a single elimination bracket and what's perfect for that is the two teams that get eliminated if you already had these designs on eliminating regions eligibility for gauntlet having a six team bracket where four teams move on leaves you with two teams who then fall out those are the teams that lose their spot for their regions lose a spot for gauntlet but at the very least at least those teams had like a fair shot of it if you're putting them into a round robin group where they're not going to be like, for example, low key, I, th- I think British Hurricanes like a really, really strong team. And, and when you look at the bracket, come to think of it, I don't know if there's necessarily like a, a weak team in of the yeah. teams that are going like all three NA teams, I think are, are pretty strong. Fusion Uni, in my opinion, might be the weakest of the three. I don't know, maybe ETL Academy, but like Definitely the two EU teams are strong. Loki was going to get a, a tough matchup either way. But at the very least, like if you're going to rip their spot away from them for Gauntlet, give them a shot to, to play through a round robin and at least go up against all the teams. So that at the end of the day, there's no argument, oh, well, they got, they got screwed with the, 
the luck of the draw in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like if they play all the yeah. teams, there's no argument for well, they if they lost all their matches or or they finished at the bottom of the table, then they were clearly one of the worst teams that went to went to the well, showdown. I, what I will say in Blizzard's defense is that it's really hard to do 18, 18 matches at a land of this at this length. Like of the of the of this like in two days, that's nine games a day on land, which is not always easy to schedule for. And so and so I maybe like the better thing would have been you can get down to 15 games. If you had eight teams come to Atlantic Showdown and then you do a a two two four team round robins, which are six games each. So 12 games. And then you um, and then you have, you know, two teams from each from each region move on to a single elim uh, second seed and second seed and first seed from each group play each other. And then finals is just the winner of those two matches. Yeah. So, and then I guess the, the question is. Does that cut into the budget where if you're going to bring more teams, does that yeah. take away from like the prize pool? Is this a budget thing in, in general in terms of why they only pick six team? I, I don't know. It, it's I, I guess at the end of the day, it, it's probably like, you know, crying over spilled milk. Like, is is this really yeah. something that's that's worth complaining about? And, and was there even any other better options given like if if Blizzard was in fact working with a budget? Yeah, I mean that's the thing is double. I was gonna say you could you could actually do a, a six team Swiss and two wins moves you up, two losses knocks you out. But that's basically yeah, what a double elim bracket is. <laughs> In yeah, practice, that's how um, a double elim bracket I, works. I, I was thinking that at first as well, but with six teams, it makes really zero difference whether whether yeah. it's a Swiss format or a double elimination yeah. bracket. Yeah, it works out the same way. So it's it's you know, I I I don't love the bracket, but I think it. You, you might be right. It just might have been out of their means to make a better version of this because if you don't want to invite more than six teams, you basically are forced to do this. Otherwise, yes. otherwise I mean, you can do, you can try to do a Swiss instead, but it looks the exact same. I, I kind of hope there's a Swiss bracket for the gauntlet. I think it's by far the fairest way to actually get the best team out at the end of it, like yeah. with an actual seeded Swiss bracket. I can't uh, wait for for Gauntlet. Like no, neither can I. To be honest, I almost wish that with with all like sort of the meme conversation going on with with Runaway and and Hurricane and Titans and Shoes Money Crew, like it would have been really fun to immediately dispel this with having the Korean teams and like Runaway and and Element Mystic everybody playing together now. Like I hope that there's still kind of the the semi serious conversation about which regions. King, you know, in in a couple months from now, when it actually comes time for the mm-hmm. gauntlet, I hope that's not gone. I mean, it's been that way for three years, so I don't think the conversation yeah. will stop now. <laughs> that's true. Everyone's always trying to say their region's best, right? Um, speaking of regions, I wanted to talk to you guys about something else that I've kind of been hearing about recently, and that is a overall lack of uh, European representation in in Overwatch League and kind of these trickling reports coming out about how very little attention is being given to EU players recently for Overwatch League trials. Uh, This might be, so just to kind of start this off, this might be a little difficult to talk about because I don't want either of you to have to go on record talking about whether or not this is affecting your teams. Um, So, you know, feel free to do so if you want to divulge information. But it's, like I said, it's come to my attention recently that Overwatch League teams have just been showing zero interest in in EU players this season, at least not directly, um, as in not giving, you know, not inviting EU players to to trial. And it's starting to feel to me like there's a new path to pro route in 2019. And it's, you know, you obviously have Overwatch League at the top, and then NA and Korean contenders below that. 
And then there's almost like this tier 2.5, which is EU, that's basically situated directly below NA right now. And it's at a point where it feels impossible for EU players to go directly into OWL. Essentially, NA Academy teams have to be the ones to sign the EU players. And then if they want to, they can move up from there. I know that there's like a number of EU contenders players trialing for NA Academy at the moment. And that just seems to be the norm now. So let's let's throw this one to Tani. What do you think about like the current like state of of EU Overwatch and how I guess that region is is seen around like the rest of the world, especially with respect to Overwatch League? I I'm sure we'll have like the visa conversation come up, but how what are your thoughts about just like overall the lack of EU representation in Overwatch League? Um yeah, like people say the lack of EU representation, but EU is pretty well represented, just not when it comes to actually picking up players mid season. And it it does kind of make sense why uh why these out teams don't do it, because uh, as you said, the visa situation or um actually moving someone from EU to NA is also just a much bigger cost than just moving them from a different team house in LA to their own one. Um, but I, I don't think teams are necessarily seen badly, uh, and the players certainly aren't. People know that EU is full of talent, and some teams just seek it out more than others, to be honest. There's, there's some teams which will actively be recruiting from EU contenders to their academies and then straight to OWL, but unfortunately not all the contenders teams see it like that either, so... Uh, I guess there's an issue which needs to be fixed where a lot of people see just, oh yeah, we would rather just have these um, lower tier NA players playing for us rather than you know importing some people in. And I think it's made even harder with the region, the soft region locking for this season. Well, the soft region locking, I mean, I don't know if this is like a spoiler alert, but that the, the soft region locking thing, it, it's kind of become a joke. I don't know if you guys are aware yeah. of this, but it's like yeah, no. <laughs> it's it's okay. So here's the thing. Yes, it's 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 BS. For those who don't know, I'll, I'm happy to say this publicly. It's well, it's well known that it's based on your battle.net account region is the actual terms of region lock. Yes. So you can just make an NA Smurf and you're an NA player. Yep. Boom. Submit so, a ticket. So yeah, submit a ticket. Make yourself NA. But the reality is that no team wants to be the team that abuses that and makes an all-Korean or all-European contenders team because then no, everyone's kind of going to hate them for it. Right. It, the spirit of the rules is still very much respected, even though the text of the rule doesn't isn't actually really enforceable. So, I mean, I actually want to disagree on one point. I do think EU is underrepresented in OWL because, yes, EU is technically the second highest, highest representation OWL region, but roughly half of that is just Paris Eternal. Which is the one team oh, that yes. was just dedicated. Okay, all yeah, year. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> which which is an issue given the state of the team. But yeah, there there are like a lot of very good EU players on a lot of different teams. You even like on Shock, you have Nevix still there. It, he's riding the bench right now, but you know he's still an amazing player. He's he'd be starting for like can... over half the teams in the league if he wasn't on Shock. Probably, yeah, yes. yeah non Korean I mean, teams, I'd say. And I feel like if the meta switches to, to say like triple DPS or something, it, it, you can see him getting a lot of playtime very easily. I mean, he's one of the most of... like flexible players that 
I've come across. Yeah, there are a lot of teams with with EU bench players. Actually, now I think about it, I mean, you look at Shock. Um, other examples would be like um, Atlanta Rain has Kodak and Nalair, Nalair who now plays but didn't for a while. Um, and then who else? I was just I just had another one in my mind. Um, LA Outlaws, whether Outlaws, they yeah, decide to start Linkser or not, which yeah. one's free. It's actually it's actually interesting how few how, how few EU players end up playing once they're in now I think about it. But nonetheless, um the it's overall such a waste rep- of talent as well. Yeah. The overall representation topic is uh it's complicated. I absolutely agree with your T two point five point. I will not speak to the state of my team, but I I too have heard lots of rumors that um the EU players are getting are getting trials for NA academies, but I've heard very few such rumors for Owl. Actually, I don't think right. I've heard any any such rumors about EU players. Yeah, I don't. Getting, I don't know if any EU no. players getting Owl trials. I yeah. don't have a single one actually. Yeah, same. I, I don't know any either. So it's it is a little. It's a little on the on the one hand, representation yeah, pretty, in Owl was the wrong way to put it. Probably, yeah. it's more like the the current state of like what the EU tier two scene is and how that scene is not getting um is appreciation the word not getting opportunities opportunities in line with what feels like their relative strength compared to other regions like it feels like they are a region that is can i'm not going to start ranking regions but there's no doubt in my mind that eu like the top eu teams can go head to head with top na teams top korean teams certainly and it just seems crazy how I know we hear like the the visa issue be thrown a lot around a lot, but the the visa issue isn't keeping Korean players from coming into the league. So maybe it's not a representation thing in Al. It's just the way that. What do you think, Opti? Like the way European yeah. regions perceived? So, no, I'm not. It might partially be perception. I mean, we all know that Angry Titans going fourth, going or third, third, second, second. Not a single one of those players was picked up for nine months. It took it took until they got their second second place finish for anyone to get picked up. And even then, it was it was still only two players, and um, and so, yeah, it, it it definitely feels like there's a disparity in opportunity, and it's just the r- rule at this point. I would say that you that you have to go to NA Academy first. If you're not in NA Academy, you're not going to go to Al. I mean, it's not like the British Hurricane players are going to Al. It's not like Paris Eternal is using any of their Academy players. So, the reality is that if you're not on NA Academy, you're not even getting the chance to go to Al. So that's why. I think there's a lot of there's now for this comforts upcoming season with contenders a lot of NA academies are looking at importing importing EU players where they perhaps would have imported Koreans in the past, and so I, that's going to be what will finally get EU players to Al is presence on these NA teams. I don't think there's any other route. Yeah, I think being on an NA academy in the upcoming season is going to be a very very good thing if you want to make it into Al for season three. Because there's going to be a lot of people dropped once their contract ends after the end of the year, so mm-hmm. they're just going to recruit straight from either their own academy, so they don't have to pay a buyout or any anything like that, or just from one of the others for a much cheaper price than anything in EU, basically. I think there are going to be like more opportunities too for NA teams. I kind of teased this recently, but there is like a sort of behind the scenes right now. I'm not going to say that it's like. Blizzard is a hundred percent mandating it, especially like. So we recently just saw Energy's, you know, dispel of their their academy team, and there's also talk that there may be another any academy um, disbanding or maybe looking to like sell off all their players. 
but from what I've heard, the league has been pushing very strongly, wink, wink, towards some of these Overwatch League teams. Like, we need you to have an academy team coming. I don't know. I'm not going to say necessarily season one of 2020. It could be season two. Uh, there might not be like a, a set timeline on it, but Overwatch League wants all their teams to have academy teams. And let's see who that would be. So Valiant, Houston Outlaws, who else doesn't have one? Vancouver, uh, DC. Like that's, if if in the coming like two contenders shock. seasons. Shock. Oh yeah, shock yeah. doesn't have one now. now. Which is sad, but I mean, Alfresky, why do you think that is? In my mind... I don't know. I'll fundamentally esports marketing. It's about it's about making the most money possible off of something that's entertainment. And so we all know that right now contenders is a money sink. I I seriously doubt there's a single there's a single cont- I can't speak to angry to angry Titans fans. So it's like I actually just don't know. It's not it's not something I know. But I seriously doubt just doing the math that there's a single contenders team making money off this tournament, including the ones who win a lot, like Fusion. I still think they're probably losing. So I guess. If it's supposed to be marketing, it's supposed to be about making the most money possible. Why would why would Owl mandate academy teams? I, I think part of it might just be with promoting like a healthy infrastructure for Overwatch. It's like you're invested in this scene. This is the way to grow and nurture talent, and this is the key to just having a like a multi tiered having tier one be Overwatch League tier two contenders and and so on and so on. Like, I think that there is probably this line of thinking where in order for Overwatch League to work, there needs to be this set infrastructure in place that unfortunately, you know, at the tier two and, and below levels, there's no real, it's not lucrative financially. There's no real financial incentive to do it unless, you know, you're a team like, you're, you were talking about like which teams make money. Maybe Uprising Academy doesn't make money, but... I'd like to That's think that true. Boston Uprising have, you know, not even just looking at the players that that Uprising have sold, like Uprising Academy, you know, there was there was even like a player like Nero, right, who who then got sent mm-hmm. to Guangzhou. Like there have been a, plenty of players who have gone through Uprising Academy who then like that just overall the parent org there has made uh, a lot of money off of. So I I can't I'm not I don't even know if I'm equipped to to speak to like the the financials and whether they break even, whether they're in the the net positive in that regard, but Uprising has to be an org that's doing well. Doing better than others, at least. Yeah, and then like if, you know, you're, you have to look at in terms of the salaries that, that they're paying, whether they're paying for for Visa stuff or whether they're kind of, you know, dancing around that topic. Um, there's a lot of money that's being invested in that for some teams more so than others. Especially if you have like a, or if you have like three outside players or international players, non-resident players coming in, you're paying for that too. But the purpose of Academy is not to make money and there's not really an opportunity to make money there. I would say safely that there's no more than one or two teams at the most in NA who are like in the black for, for their, um, their Academy programs, right? I don't think that anybody's making money. I can't see how it's possible to do that. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 a bit of an odd situation because if you're not making money, like in the end, everything is a business, whether people like to see it like that or not. So you get a lot of these teams kind of neglecting their players or like gonna try and do stuff for the cheapest possible. Like we had the whole XL two drama 
of them dropping the whole roster for a local one, just so it was a lot cheaper. And I, I, I think Paris Academy. I, I can't confirm this, but like, I can tell uh, you that I, it's, it's not. I don't think. Yeah, that... I'd, I'd say it's like a very cheaply built team. Yes, as is Uprising uh, Academy. Yes, exactly. Yes. And these sort of teams don't do well, which make it really weird for players to actually want to be on them. And I think that defeats the point of having an actual um, academy team when you aren't farming the talent from it and you're just le- yeah. neglecting it and letting it die, basically, and going to trials as these two teams have. Yeah, so, um, okay, so for... By the way, in, like, Envy as an example is like the, is like the gold standard of, of academy teams. Everyone knows they pay well and they actually bring their players up. We just saw Trill get signed because, because they didn't want anyone else to get him. They realized Trill was a big asset, and they wanted him to work with Dallas Fuel. So it's. I also heard that another team probably put a bid in for him. So yeah, they yeah, probably no, and they wanted to match it. But instead of just letting him go, they wanted to match the bid. So I guess it's kind of the point: is those players get to do well because they're paid well, they have good living conditions, and they have real hope. Like if you're not going to build an academy like that, I don't know why you would have one. I guess exactly, it's like, yeah. you, can, you can put a small amount of money into it and get nothing back, and just keep losing, or you can just not do it, or you can do it right. And then, you know, it doesn't really need to be this way that everyone's losing money having an academy. It's just that it's hard to get it's hard to get like hype because it's because the contenders doesn't have good exposure. It's hard to get sponsors because contenders doesn't have good exposure. Well, it's and not only that; it's also the, yeah, the restrictions yeah. too. Restrictions. Like, I mean, th- yeah. that's like a really good point. If if they want, and it seems it's it's odd that the owners don't even fight back more against that. Maybe there's something that I'm not considering there. But if if part of this, you know, a team like Energy leaving, right? If part of this is just the inability to actually show a profit at the end of the, the operating year, if it's it's just not feasible, it feels like there are things that Blizzard could be doing to make that more financially advantageous for these teams, whether yeah. that be like allowing third parties to come in and hold tournaments, right? Like mm-hmm. that seems like that, that could be a big be... one. Yeah, I, I, I think, think everyone's been... be a lot of hype. Yeah, everyone's been wanting that for as long as I can remember now. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Tend, yeah, I, mean, I tend to agree with you. I think there's. I'm always an advocate for a middle ground. Blizzard just does, Blizzard doesn't need to say anybody who wants to host a tournament, go ahead. You get. You get. You know. You know, you, you make whatever possible you want. You do the tournament however you want to. It's fine. I think Blizzard can have a even a somewhat heavy hand in deciding how tournaments are done, how sponsors are chosen. But the fact of the matter is that right now we right now we're seeing a T2 world where no one has sponsors and there are no tournaments except for the ones Blizzard put on puts on. And I have to imagine that that's not just a lack of interest. Overwatch, team, Overwatch League seems to be a pretty successful project, and maybe continues to have the best viewership. But I, I just can't imagine that there would be there that no one would be interested in sponsoring or run, sponsoring contenders or running a tier two tournament. So the question then becomes: Where's the middle ground? What are they doing now that's causing this reality? And how and how can that be changed to meet somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I, I don't know if they have something. Maybe there's something on the looming on the horizon that they have planned. As far as I know, I, I haven't really heard too too much in that regard. I don't know. Any other thoughts no, about I, that? I don't see the. I don't see the current system changing as much as I'd like it to, um, and be able to play in different tournaments with different teams from well different regions as well. I I don't see that happening anytime soon. Blizzard seems to like having a very heavy hand and a controlling hand over the tier two scene, where they just won't let you do anything. Um, if a tournament is over ten thousand dollars, I believe it is, you're just not going to get a license for it right now. 
Although there was that one exception, which was that Saudi Arabian tournament, which I, I don't know why or how they got their license, but they did. <laughs> yes, it was a massive tournament. It was yeah, it was like two hundred and fifty thousand. I believe. It was just the money behind that was insane. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, they, I'm sure they paid dearly for that tournament license, but you know, they didn't care. It was a big pile of money. But, but that, that shouldn't be how it is. People should, um, or Blizzard should be working with the organizers. They shouldn't need to be bribed by them to host a tournament or let them host one. Yeah, probably. Yes, <laughs> that's that's absolutely true. Even like smaller tournaments, like old Take TV, that that was so fun, and the fans love it, which is why I believe the Atlantic Showdown is at Crayford again. It's it's basically like Take TV Part Three, and you see the hype behind it. Like tickets sell out instantly. I I don't see how that's not a win-win for everyone, to be honest. Like the teams, the players, um, the fans, and Blizzard themselves. It's it's like a baffling decision to not let anyone host anything i think you ask like anybody in the overwatch scene a ton of people are going to say like apex was awesome maybe from like an entertainment perspective but i also know a lot of people who would say take tv stuff was their favorite but i think also a lot of the players would agree that that was their favorite tournament too takeover was a special tournament it was like it was a i wasn't actually like involved in the competitive scene back in those days but it, looking back it seems like it was a really good time yeah, I was just a fan back then, and I had great fun. And I mean, I imagine like a lot of the fans would like to live through that again, but Blizzard doesn't make it that easy, unfortunately. Unfortunately, no. Um, let's, instead of just being depressed about the state of Tier 2 right now, <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to, to bring up, just because both of you sort of to varying degrees are, I guess, involved with or thinking of getting involved with World Cup, the World Cup voting just went live yesterday. I know, Tana, you're not running. Um, well, you were, I was talking to you, you were kind of thinking about maybe going in as a GM, but I know you're going to, you'd be going up against the absolute unit that is Stylosa there Stylosa. in uh, the UK. Yeah. Do you have like any plans to, you know, try and get involved as maybe like an extended staff member there? Uh, yeah, I actually spoke to Stylosa about it and uh, I'd love to be an analyst for the team because I think that's what Hayes and Christopher, who are the front runners for the coaching stuff, um, kind of lack. So I'd love to supplement that and just take the team to another level, basically. And how about you, Opti? You're definitely running for USA. Yep. You're running for head coach. Tell me about, is that decision what you're hoping to get out of the experience of running? If you feel like you'd be able to bring anything to the table, maybe that others might not, like a different direction that you'd try or that you, you know, you'd like to yeah, take sure. the team in compared to last year. Yeah, sure. So first of all, I decided to, um, I decided to run this year because honestly, it seems like, it seems like a lot, like, like just a really cool, a really fun tournament. And a really great experience. And I do think that I am, um, as qualified as anyone else for the position. Now there's a bit of an asterisk because um, having our experience obviously helps. DPay is DPay in particular is a fantastic candidate. But I'd argue that part of um, coming from EU contender specifically, I don't have any any um, I guess uh, you could say biases. Bias, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I don't even. <laughs> I mean, everyone everyone has a bit of bias here and there, but I don't have a lot of opinions on players right now that's a good point players playing scrims i haven't i haven't um i think i'll be able to offer the 
freshest perspective on the uh, on the very very large pool of NA talent, and more to that point, contenders, especially EU, I think operates in a slightly different meta, in a slightly different world than than the than NA can or any can, NA owl does. Just owl is overall for sure, and so I think there is a is a certain value to having someone with that perspective able to say, well, okay, this is this is how you're doing things. This is how right now this is how we do things instead in EU or you know just elsewhere. And so I'll be honest, Depay is probably is probably a better choice uh, <laughs> that I am that I am for head coach per se. But part of the reason I'm running is because I really really want to make it clear that I have a ton of interest in being involved with this and doing this. And I would love nothing more than to work with Team USA. If I did if I did win somehow, I would be absolutely thrilled. And so I want it. And so part of my quest here is just to is just to show that like I'm very serious about this and I'm willing to put in the work so that if I don't win, if someone like Depay does, I can make a solid case as for why I should still be involved with the team. Yeah, I I, I hope he's on like some form of coaching staff for the team. Like it would provide such a good insight when you have an EU contenders coach and then like an Overwatch League coach together because you can actually explore so many more different options. Which the other might miss out on. Yeah, I think I, I think I think I heard obviously selfishly I think it'd be a great opportunity, but I really do think that finding people who have worked in different environments adds valuable perspective. If you just get a bunch of owl head coaches, which is entirely possible for the USA team, by the way, there are enough owl head coaches to make it, you make a an overly large coaching staff. Even but if you just get that perspective, you're going to come to very different conclusions than you might with than you might talking to people from who coach in EU or any people coaching, I don't know, like any other region. People spend most of their time looking elsewhere. And spoiler alert, Opti works for an EU team, USA. He might be able to tell you what went wrong last year and tell you about the UK secrets. Wink, wink. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, we might scrim Angry Titans, actually. So. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Maybe I know the key. Yeah, I mean, I, I, have, I have some ideas about what was done suboptimally last year i think i i don't think it was like a super sad attempt like a lot of people i think were overly angry about it but there were definitely things that could have been improved on even looking from the outside uh you guys want to plug your socials or, or any content oh it's just uh twitter slash tanny should come up yeah yeah so make sure so make sure to follow tanny and look at the uh little make sure to look at the podcast the title see how to spell it right follow him and then if you want to follow me you can uh you can find me at on Twitter at twitter.com slash optodocs. I've been streaming a lot lately. I'm probably going to stream later today too. And um, I've been doing like VOD reviews for uh, for contenders games, owl games. Some I'll do some viewer VOD review. It'll be, it'll be a good time. Hey, you I enjoy those. Twitch. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes, you can find me at twitch.tv slash optodocs. Or, um, and then once you're there, you're on my Twitter and on my and on my which you should be able to find links to my discord and i talk a lot in there and you can ask me questions really anything you want i always answer so feel free to hit me up on any of those platforms all right super cool um thanks so much to tanny and opti for joining me that does it for this episode of the mobcast see you all next time